love you guys. I am so excited to be with you all today. I just want to say thank you so much for having me. And I want to say something else. Kudos to you for the way that you love your pastors, Levi and Jenny. I'm going to tell you why. The fact that you allowed them to go away for an entire month <laughs> and let a complete stranger come in here and preach to you, I'm telling you, when they come back, they will be refreshed. They will be more in love with this church, more in love with you. They'll have deeper revelation into God's word, and they will be ready to take you through the rest of the year. So please, thank you so much for loving your pastors the way that you do. You may be seated. You may be seated. I want to give a shout out to all the campuses uh, and also the prison campus. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm grateful to be able to minister to you today. I want to jump right into the Word of God. How many people came for a Word of God? Like, you're like, I'm here today because I want to get something, all right? If you have your Bibles, I want you to go to the book of Luke, chapter number 14. The Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter number 14. I'm going to read 10 verses in your hearing. Uh, and then I'll give you the title of the message, and we'll pray, and we'll see what the Lord does. Is that good? Yeah. All right, so Luke chapter number 14, starting at the 25th verse. I'm reading from the New Living Translation of the Bible, okay? Might be just a little bit different from whatever version you have, but I think we'll get the same meaning. Luke chapter number 14, verse number 25. Here's what it says. A large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple... You must hate everyone else by comparison. Your father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it. Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's that person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. <laughs> or what king would go to war against another king without first sitting down with his counselors to discuss whether his army of 10,000 could defeat the 20,000 soldiers marching against him. And if he can't, he will send a delegation to discuss terms of peace while the enemy is still far away. So you cannot become my disciple without giving up everything you own. Salt is good for seasoning. What? <laughs> Can we just stop for a moment? random is this? <laughs> Jesus has just amassed a new group of followers that decided to, to, to give up their lives to follow him and take on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. I'm willing to give up everything to follow you. Then he starts to tell them how high the stakes really are. You're not just following me and getting the revelation that I am the Messiah. You're not just following me and getting a revelation that you can do miracles and that I've, I've called you for a deeper purpose. What you're also getting to find out is that you're going to have to give up everything for me and hate everyone in comparison. 
your mama and your daddy, <laughs> your brothers and your sisters, your spouse, and even your own life. And he says, don't just do it because it's trendy. Don't, don't just do it because it's the thing to do right now. You need to really count up the cost. And this is like a strong narrative that he's laying down. And then he goes like straight leadership session to Food Network. <laughs> In one second, it doesn't even fit. The writer of the book did not break it up. It doesn't give us a clean transition. It goes from like, are you sure you want to follow me? To salt is good for seasoning. <laughs> it makes no sense. Salt is good for seasoning. But if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Really, Jesus? Are you stuck on a recipe that you... <laughs> Flavorless salt is good neither for the soil nor the manure pile. It is thrown away. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So, so I want to preach uh, from the subject, pass the salt. Real easy. Pass the salt. Bow your heads. Let's pray over the word before we get started, shall we? Holy Spirit, help us to be salty. Amen. <laughs> I pray quick. I pray quick. I'm the one you went over for Thanksgiving dinner. We, we will eat it while it's hot. We won't pray for nations, nothing. We just going to eat the food, then we'll think about nations while we recover from our food coma, right? Okay. It's an interesting narrative to hear Jesus and see his leadership style. When you take into consideration all of the gospel narratives, that of Mark, Matthew, John, Luke. There are all these different perspectives that they have, and some are keying in and emphasizing some things while others are talking about some other things. The first three gospels are more synoptic, the same covering the last year of Jesus' earthly ministry, while John, who lives the longest and has the longest to reflect, has uh, given us the widest and deepest breadth, scope of Jesus' earthly ministry, all three and a half years of his earthly ministry. It's interesting to see his leadership style. I love Jesus' leadership style. It's the type of leadership style I'm attracted to. The reason being is because um, he's telling you up front what this is going to be. There is no bait and switch with Jesus. Jesus calls you into a relationship with him, and unlike most of the narratives that we usually talk about or hear about in church circles, uh, it's very, very blunt. There is no time at all before you realize, oh, this is actually inconvenient. <laughs> like, I went to the new members class, and that was great, uh, but then we got on a boat and a storm broke out. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to go with this whole daily Jesus thing. Maybe I can just hang out with him on the synagogues on Saturdays. Discipleship is not a once a week event. It is an everyday process. 
And what I love about Jesus' ministry is that as, it seems like as soon as he recruits people, he's vetting their intentions. Why are you here? Why are you with me? Are you really willing to do what it takes to be my disciple? Are you really willing to go the mile you need to go to be my disciple? Are you really ready to sacrifice what needs to be sacrificed for you to be my disciple? And constantly throughout Scripture, throughout the Gospels, he is giving us his thoughts on what these people should be thinking about walking with him. He's not like our current culture who gets happy about how many followers they have. He is not scrolling through uh, Instagram going, look how many blue people, the blues in my, oh, I have 10,000 new followers. Jesus would see 10,000 new followers and then write, are you ready to die? (laughs) Double tap if you feel like dying today. (laughs) Drop a comment in the comment section if you hate your mom (laughs) in comparison to me. (laughs) Swipe up and leave a video link If you're over your dad, because of me. Tell me if you've broken up with your boyfriend or your girlfriend because you've chosen to follow me. Jesus is not making it convenient. He's not even making it polite. He's like, if you want to follow me, it's going to cost you something. So up front, you need to cut the cost now. I don't want you to get a year down the road. And the only thing you know about me is my miracles and my meals. I love Jesus. Why? His lunches are amazing. <laughs> he just had two fish and five loaves of bread. And we all ate and could have seconds and thirds. He's constantly vetting Why are you here? And in a narrative that seems so filled with commitment, so filled with tension about what they should do, he seemingly switches the subject to salt. (laughs) How random are you, Jesus? This is not a good sermon, sir. You have not, like woven a trail and let us understand. You didn't mention salt in your opening, so how did you get (laughs) to salt two-thirds of the way through this passage? You just detoured to salt. (laughs) But salt is good. I love salt. I I, I like salt uh, on things that should be salty, like fries. Fries should be salty. When I go to a fast food restaurant, I expect that they know (laughs) that my fries should have salt on them. I'm not talking about this polite, I'm concerned about your sodium intake, sir, (laughs) sprinkle of salt. I'm talking about there should be so much salt on my fingers that I should be wiping them on my jeans Because I'm not here for you to check on my blood pressure. I'm here for you to give me fries, and fries need salt. I've written letters to Chick-fil-A about this. 
because I've asked for salt, and they politely put a package in the bag with me. Now I must rummage through the bag and sprinkle my own salt on my fries. You should have done that, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> now, your chicken's amazing, but you need to get that part right. <laughs> I, I, I like going to places where, where, where I'm eating, and I'm like, oh my god, there's so much salt. Salt is good. It's good for seasoning. It's good for a whole bunch of stuff. When I was studying for this message, I found out there are over 14,000 uses for salt. <laughs> if it was like 20, I would have went through the list, but 14,000, I had to give up. You can find out if a reg, uh, if, an, a reg if a reg, if an egg is, is, is fresh or rotten by putting it in some water with some salt. If it drops, it's fresh. If it floats, it's, it's rotten. Who knew? <laughs> salt, before the technology uh, uh, and, and, and the industry began to, to, to understand how to use all these other chemicals, salt was used for almost every cleaning agent you could imagine. Salt is used for so much stuff. Over 14,000 things. You, you, you got, some, you got some, some grass growing through some cracks in your concrete? Dump some salt on it. It won't be there in the morning. <laughs> I found out all of these different uses for salt, and I began to wonder, why would Jesus go from talking about discipleship and the rigors of it to salt? So I began to focus in on what salt was used for to that first audience that was listening to Jesus preach. It was used for way more than the three things that I want to bring up, but it was used for three things, three main primary things that I want to bring to you now. The first thing salt was used for is seasoning. I mean, this is the, the, the quite obvious one. I just talked about it with my French fries. You ever been somewhere, maybe to a family cookout or someone's house, and they prepared a meal, and you bit into it, and you were like, mm-hmm. Well, now. Oh. Can you pass the salt? Just want to do a little something to this. I don't know who made your potato salad, but I just need to. I don't know how you do steaks, but I just need to do a little salt seasons things. It brings some things to life. It makes things taste a little bit better. And there's one particular individual that made salt seasoning kind of like a cultural uh, phenomenon. Uh, I, I, don't, I can't say his last name. It's a Turkish man uh, who was a, a restaurateur. Uh, he's also entrepreneur. He's a chef. And, 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 and they call him Salt Bay. His, his first name is Nusret, but I can't even try to say his last name. But it's a Turkish guy, and here's how he was made famous. He was made famous from taking sea salt and sprinkling it on his food like this. After he cooks this huge steak at his restaurants, he then takes the salt and does like this, and the salt bounces down his forearm, off of his elbow, onto the steak in front of people. <laughs> and they eat it. <laughs> now, I don't know the hygiene of turkey, 
But this guy became an internet sensation and went viral for the way he sprinkled salt. And I think that more believers need to turn into Salt Bay. Because if we are truly the salt of the earth, as Jesus told us we were, then this earth shouldn't really be as cynical, corrupt, and negative as it is if we are in that same world. There should be some people that get around us and because of the salt on our lives, their lives get a little bit better. Their lives get a little bit more optimistic, not because everything's changed, but just because, you know, we did a little. (laughs) We just decided to step into the work environment and just, you know, we decided to step back into the schools and go, you know, we stepped out of our cell in that prison and said, you know what? I got seven years left, but I think I could just sprinkle a little something in here that will make the, 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 the atmosphere change. I can sprinkle a little something in here that will make uh, people's attitudes change. I can sprinkle a little something in here that will make people think differently about the world around them. Salt seasons. And if we are going to be the salt of the earth, we need to be seasoning some things in this earth. We need to be seasoning some attitudes in this earth. We need to be seasoning some perspectives in this earth. We need to be seasoning the culture here in this earth. And we have crazy opportunities to do it. Your socioeconomic status does not matter. Doesn't matter where you are on the scale, you have an opportunity to bring some salt to people's world. Salt Seasons. Second thing salt does is it preserves. Salt preserves. So not only do we need some salt to season some things, we need to do, we need to have salt to preserve some things. But here's the difference between seasoning something and preserving something. The amount you use changes. When you want to season something, I encourage you to sprinkle. (laughs) Have you ever had the misfortune of being at a restaurant, sitting down, waiting for your food, and you are hungry on this day? (laughs) You've been talking to your friends, and the food finally comes, and instinctively you reach over for the salt, and somebody has played this cruel diabolical prank where they have unscrewed the top of the salt shaker waiting for you to sprinkle. The cap flies off and you dump that whole bottle where you meant to just sprinkle. And what is the result? I don't, maybe that's not your result. I cry. I'm an emo. I cry when things don't go my way very quickly. 
I start crying. <laughs> it's ruined. You can't scrape that off and eat it. You need a whole new plate. You sprinkle to season. You toss to preserve. You want to preserve something? You got to toss something on there to preserve it. Anybody in here like beef jerky? Thanks salt and a bunch of it for preserving meat a year and a half from now in a stick-sized form for you to just gnaw on in the middle of the day. I have no idea for you beef jerky eaters. This is what I know you do, okay? But if you're going to use a if you're going to if you're going to preserve something you got to toss a lot of salt on there to preserve it and when, here's what I found out about preservation uh, and, and salt's uh, 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 power in that when when you put salt on meat to preserve it it literally draws all the moisture out of the meat and with the moisture all the bacteria that goes along with it so you're not just preserving the food, you're also killing anything that would corrupt the food when you go back to eat it. So I want us to be salty enough to be sprinkled on the earth, but I also want us to be able to preserve the truth of what we believe as it relates to the Word of God. And that, pres that preservation doesn't take a sprinkle, it takes some tossing. You want to preserve your faith? You want to an anchor that's going to hold you down in the Word of God? You need to toss copious amounts of salt through God's Word onto your life. You want to preserve your faith? Then you need to read your Word more than once a week. You need to have some devotion time. You need to have some worship time. You need to have some quiet time where you can allow the Word of God to get into you. May I remind you that this Bible is the only book that's actually breathing. The Bible is the only book that you will ever read in human history that when you open it up, it opens you up. That when you read it, it actually reads you. That when you go into it, it actually goes into you. Anybody beside me pulled up a scripture that you've read for countless years throughout your walk, and then you read it again, and you're like, what? I'm sorry, what? The Lord is my shepherd? I've never seen that before. Like, bro, it's Psalms 23. Of course you but I've never seen it like this. Because it's the only book. That as you grow, it grows with you. That as you walk through life, it actually changes what it has to say to what aspect of your life needs to be ministered to. So toss the salt. When it comes to preserving your faith, toss the salt. Not just anywhere on your faith walk with God. I remember um, going through some situations uh, in my life, in my walk with the Lord, that had it not been for the tossing that I had done with God's Word, I could have literally and easily found myself in a very shallow relationship with the Lord. Anybody beside me has some 
uh, life circumstances hit you to the point that you're like, I don't even know if I want to follow you right now, sir. Anybody beside me just being honest? Like, hey, um, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to happen. Like, when I said yes to you, I meant it, but I didn't know all this was going to happen. That, for me, was uh, the loss of my younger brother. September 17, 2004, he was killed in a car accident. Died instantly. I had just landed in Baltimore, Maryland with my wife to go preach uh, at uh, a church out there, a friend of ours, and it was 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. It was uh, 6 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, and I get a call from my mom on the office phone. This is 2004, okay? On the office phone at the church that I'm, I'm going to preach at in Baltimore, Maryland, to tell me that my younger brother, Miles, had died. It was devastating. And I remember in that moment just feeling numb. I won't tell you all of the reactions that I had at the time, but God gave me this incredible grace to come home and raise the money for his funeral and, and, and eulogize him. And 50 people gave their lives to Jesus at his casket. I was mad at all 50, because I was like, excuse me, wasn't Jesus' death enough? Why'd Miles have to die too? Just for you to find everlasting life, so yay, but uh. Anybody beside me ever been in your feelings with the Lord? Here's what I found out about God. He's not petty. He can handle your tantrum. You can have a full-on tantrum, and he'll be like, mm. You all right? You're going to be, oh, my goodness. You're, you're still crying? <laughs> yes, he's loving. Yes, he'll be present. And yes, where there are no words and his presence will be there and all that kind of stuff. But when you are having a full-on tantrum, he is just like, okay. It's okay. I know something you don't, and it's okay. I'm sovereign. You're not. You don't even get my perspective. It's okay. I threw a full-on tantrum. I got home after the whole funeral and everything was over, and I came to God and I said, okay! Anybody ever went, went into a prayer time, but it wasn't prayer at all? <laughs> it wasn't even confession, it was just complaint? Yes. It's like, okay, Lord, so here's how it's going to go. Not preaching no more. I ain't preaching. Mm -mm, nope, not fair. I don't like the way you did this whole thing, so find someone else to preach. There's a lot of guys out here eager. I can name you ten. Go find them. Let them preach. I'm good. To which he responded, are you going to leave? No. <laughs> but I'm hot. <laughs> and I was the wrong kind of salty. <laughs> and I watched God through four months be so patient with me as he reminded me of all of the things that I had already tossed on my heart that kept removing bitterness, kept removing anger, kept removing flat-out stubbornness until he was like, I really appreciate the preservation of your faith. 
because of how much salt you've tossed on your own heart. Salt seasons, that, that's, for, that's for the world. That's all they can handle is a sprinkle. But salt preserves. And who it preserves is us. Point number three. Salt kills. You want something seasoned? Sprinkle. You want something preserved? Toss. You want something killed? Dump. You want to kill something? Dump some salt on it, and I promise you it will not be alive (laughs) when you get back. I'm from California. If you're like an insect lover, I'm so sorry for the next 47 seconds. (laughs) I used to come out my house, and there would be a bunch of snails just... (sighs) (laughs) (sighs) I don't know where they were trying to get. They were trying to, like, I don't know how... My front yard looks to them like they're crossing a big road. I don't know. But they were just trying to get to the other side of the grass, and they're leaving that little slime trail behind them, and here I come. (laughs) With a whole canister (laughs) of salt. And I'm like, I'm not like dashing it. I'm just like, oh my God, bye bye. 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 My mom was so heated. <laughs> when she couldn't find the salt that she had just bought. <laughs> Where's the salt? I'm about to cook neck bones, and I'm about to cook chicken. I'm like, oh, the salt. I murdered 17 snails <laughs> in the last 48 hours, Mom. I thought I was doing my part. My bad. Um, you want to kill something? Dump some salt on it. And I promise you it won't live. Here's where I want to make sure that we're cautious with the dumping. Because I've just seen too many believers dump salt in the wrong spot. Oh, it makes my blood boil to see believers dump salt in the wrong spot. Here's where I've seen a lot of believers dump salt on the world, on unbelievers. Like, hey, do you know Jesus? Nope. Okay, here you go. (laughs) And they're dumping salt on people that don't even have a context to our faith. And you're not seasoning them. You're definitely not preserving them. (laughs) You're killing them. And we've unleashed a whole bunch of people into the world as believers that go dump salt on unbelievers and they have no idea it's the wrong place to be dumping their salt. 
I want to clear something up right now. I already know this church knows it. I know your leaders know it. But I just want to remind you that the gospel is good news. The gospel is good news for unbelievers. That's who the gospel message is for. So when you leave this place and you go outside and you're ready to declare the works of Jesus, you need to sprinkle. Because the gospel's good news. It's not bad news. It's good news. I've seen people like, hey, do you know Jesus? No. Do you know you're going to go to hell? And you're like, really? That seems excessive. I never forget being 18 years old walking through a mall, and uh, they had unleashed, like, this youth group into the mall to evangelize, to go witness to people, right? So these three cute little girls walk up to me in the mall, and I wasn't saved, so I thought, oh, okay. I might have one of them. I got a one in three chance of hooking up with one of these cute girls. And they came and said, excuse me, sir, do you know where you would go, where your soul would go if you died right now? They asked the wrong kid this. I am 18 years old, and my parents are pastors. I'm a PK. They were not prepared for my response. (laughs) Excuse me, sir, if you died today, do you know where your soul would go without missing a beat? I said, straight to hell. and all the blood drained from their face. (laughs) And they looked at each other. And without a word coming out of their mouth, their eyes began to communicate with each other. We were not prepared. (laughs) We didn't go over this in our training. And so one of them finally looked back at me and said, thank you for your time. They just, they just walked off. <laughs> it was hilarious. That's not the coolest statement to start with. They didn't even get my name. But they had been taught to come out and just dump salt. Remember, the good news is for the unbeliever. The bad news is actually for the believer. <laughs> we read it. The good news for the other believers is like, hey, Jesus loves you. He died for you. No matter what you're going through, he will take you. He will love you. He will come the extra mile to come get you. Yes, <laughs> come in, come in. And they're like, yes, I give my life to Jesus. They're like, cool, bad news. <laughs> now you got to die for him. Oh, the good news is over. <laughs> you took it? Great. Ready to count the cost? Ready to die? (laughs) Got a little wooden beam over there. Part of your cross. Ready to pick that thing up. He's going this way. You're like, you didn't say this in the growth track class. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted you to find you. I wanted you to discover your purpose first. Ready to die. Right? (laughs) So if we're not supposed to dump salt out there, where should we be dumping salt? I'm going to give you the person you need to dump the salt on. You. Dump it on you.
dump it on you. On your pride, on your attitude, on your lust, on your will, on your way, on any and everything that does not line up with this book, dump it on you. I promise you, I promise you, if you dump this thing on you, oh my goodness, the only thing people will see is Jesus. I have had to dump so much salt on me. For my marriage to be successful, I have had to dump so much salt on me for my kids not to die. (laughs) The only reason why they're alive, they have me to thank for dumping copious amounts of salt on me so that I don't kill them. The only reason why I haven't slapped an employee, cussed in church, done all manner of unruly, fleshly, human things, because I just keep dumping salt on me. Let me tell you what that salt dumping looks like. Looks like you chilling in your quiet time, ready to get a word from Jesus. Then he says something like, apologize to your wife. (laughs) What? I know you're trying to connect with me, but the way you talked to Juliet last night, your tone was wrong. Mm. Have you said anything to her <laughs> about the tone she was using with me? To which the Holy Spirit's like, we ain't even talking about her right now. I'm talking about you. snail. That's my revelation. I'm actually the snail. And this needs to happen more often than you even think. salt dumping? This is like every 36 to 48 hours in my life. There's something to dump some salt on. A thought I had, an attitude that, I, a, that I'm holding, a, a perspective that I won't let go of, a, a, a temptation or a desire that I feel drawn to. There is always something to dump on. And it's not what you're reading on the Facebook post. It's not what you dislike on Instagram. It's not what you're seeing in the news. It's you. (laughs) And if you would just spend a little more time with him and you, he'll start pointing to a whole bunch of places that you didn't even know needed salt. So pass the salt. Would you? Could you? Sounds like a Dr. Seuss rhyme. (laughs) Would you? Could you? In a house? On a boat? (laughs) With a goat? (laughs) Pass the salt. Because I guarantee you, 
the saltiest people in this room will literally change the entire world. I guarantee you that the saltiest people in this room know where to sprinkle, know where to toss, and know where to dump. The saltiest people in this room have people that love them and they don't even know why. It's because they were always getting sprinkled. The saltiest people in this room can go through the most trying times in their life, but because they know where to toss, their faith is always preserved. The saltiest people in this room are the ones that can call their own fouls and apologize for their behavior. Not because they saw it first, but because he saw it and they were open enough to allow him to change them from the inside out. So would you pass the salt to your neighbors? Would you pass the salt to some strangers? Would you pass the salt to your spouse, to your kids, to your mom, to your dad? Would you, would you pass the salt and dump it on your attitude? Would you pass the salt until the whole world knew that Jesus Christ is Lord? to the glory of God. Because I guarantee you, the saltiest people are the people that are remembered for a lifetime. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And what is the Holy Spirit saying to you through this message? I'm, I'm always open to allow God to just point to some things. I did a lot of talking, but really it's the Holy Spirit that does the speaking. And what might he have highlighted, pointed out, kind of nudged you about in this message that made you go, oh my gosh, is that me, Lord? And he's like, yeah, that's you. I, I need you to sprinkle a little bit more in this area. I, I need you to toss some more in this area. But right there, I, I'm going to need you to dump. <laughs> going to need you to dump some salt because we need to kill that right there. All over this room, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. What is he saying to you? Allow him to speak to you about an area that might need to be changed. Now, there may be somebody that's listening to this message and you've never opened your heart to one speck of salt. <laughs> and today may be the day that God wants to change your composition. Today may be the day that he wants you to become a part of the salt shaker. <laughs> that he wants you to be one of those that he refers to as the salt of the earth. So if you've never opened up your heart to Jesus and you've never given your life to Jesus, this would be a perfect day to do it. Now, a lot of people think this is difficult, but this is really quite easy. According to Romans chapter number 10, verses number 9 and 10, if you 
confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so if you're here or there and you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, I would invite you to open up your heart and just say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and that God raised you from the dead. And then if you could change your mind about the way you've been living up until this point, then you can start on a journey with Jesus to a salt full life. I think the reason why Fresh Life Church is so fresh is because they have so much salt to sprinkle around. And you can become a part of that today. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every person that needs to give their life to you. Draw every person that needs to have a little bit more salt on them. Draw every person into a deeper relationship with you. In Jesus' name, amen.